believe it or not, many years ago, I was an apprentice, an apprentice electrician. This was, of course, after my apprenticeship as a mechanic. And then I quit that and went on to doing maybe uh, something else, which was bookkeeping. So I tried my hands at a few things before I actually settled on an apprenticeship and completed it. The thing is, all the courses that I did were at the same college. So when I went back, the tutors that saw me parking the car up, I said, what are you doing next week, Ben? You doing painting and decorating? No, I just need to find my way. And I was a young kid, so yeah, I did. I just wanted to find out what I enjoyed. But I was once at the bottom of the pecking order. That's what you are as an apprenticeship. Unfortunately, that's you start at the beginning. You know nothing. The closest I'd come to doing anything with electrics was when me and my brother, we got these air horns for our BMXs, but the batteries went flat. We used to drive around the village and just pumping them all the time, annoying everybody. So then when we said, oh, Mum, we need some new batteries, she said, get lost, you put all the batteries in already, sort of thing. We're not spending a fortune on batteries. So we came up with a new plan. We pulled the wires off that went onto the batteries and stuck them in a socket. That wasn't a good idea because this was in the back in the days where no, there was no RCDs. It went with a freaking bang. So that was on the landing of the house. I remember it to this day. We crapped our pants and legged it to the room and denied all knowledge to say, yeah, it weren't me. So in this podcast, I'm going to tell you what my apprenticeship was like and what most apprenticeships are possibly like, what you can expect if you're going to be an apprenticeship electrician because it's not always smooth sailing and you've got to have a bit of guts to or stick up for yourself. Toolbox Talks to Electricians, helping electricians reduce stress, gain back time, and earn more money. Hello and welcome back to Toolbox Talks for Electricians. My name is Ben Poulter, your host. I'm here today to tell you about my experience as being an apprentice electrician, because I think everybody, every apprentice has a different experience, and some apprentices, they have such a rubbish experience that they quit and think, I ain't been an electrician, if this is what it's like, I'm not going to do it, and unfortunately, I've seen a few lads that have done that, and this is because some of the older generation guys, what I've experienced is that they assume that apprentice is their slave. In a way, you are, to be honest. You're sort of their, um, their, you're the right-hand man. Even though they call you the broken arm. I used to get called the broken arm all the time because I knew and it didn't do anything. They could say to me, go and get a drum of SWA. What? What's SWA? I didn't even know what still wild arm was. So when you first start out, you do know nothing. You are maybe a bit of a broken arm, in effect. But you're there to learn. So if you show initiative to learn, then that sort of electrician's going to help you gain the knowledge along the way. But some of them... Nah, they just take it as like you're there to do what you're told, when you're told, make the tea, clean the van, and a bit demoralising sort of thing, they put you in your place. And some of them though, they don't really teach you anything about the industry. You're there to learn. Come on, everybody was in the same position. How did you learn to drive a car? You went to a learning, what do you call them? A car instructor thing to learn to drive a car. You had to get in there, you had to stall it a few times, you maybe had to have a few bumps and scratches, but you learned in the end, you learned to drive a car. And now, years later, you can teach others to drive a car. This is how it works. This is how we evolve. We teach others our skills that we've got and we adapt them skills as well what I find because some electricians you get taught things at college don't you you say right this is how you do it this is how you do it in the book this is BS 7671 what you tell you how to do it what to do or the on-site guide but electricians will say yeah scrap that it's a 10 times better way there's a new tool out that'll do this a lot better so it evolves over time and I think electricians get better and better over the years 
And I understand that starting at the bottom. I understand that you are the, the bottom of the pecking order, in effect. You're not the, well, some guys, they sort of walk in and think they know, oh, they've read a book or seen a YouTube video and think, yeah, I can do this, I can do that. But you can't. You, you need to know. You need to learn the lessons. You need to know how to be fearful, basically, of electrics. This is what my sort of bane was sort of thing. I just thought, yeah, you plug it in. But you need to have a shock to realise, yes, that is how... You, why you do safe isolation that's why you make sure that things are safe Dave if you go and wire a freaking a freaking plug under a, a heater a, a plug for a heater even under a sink or something and then you turn it on it's in 1.5 you need you, you'll see it melt well that's because you're inexperienced and you don't know that it has to be 2.5 on a 16 amp fuse or anything like that there's a reason that you, you learn all this and what you're taught it all from of electricians so this is why you've got to be a bit take that chip off your shoulder sometimes and narrow it down to say right yeah i'm here to learn this is what i've got to got to experience to become an electrician basically and i'll assume that like anything it's every day you learn a new skill so you get better and better sometimes when you're maybe working as as an electrician you might turn around a year later and think well actually i haven't really learned anything i've done anything i've been cleaning up all the time but if you've seen that film karate kid wax on wax off Every time an electrician asks you to do a job, just do it. There's more than likely logic behind it. Maybe making the cup of tea. Yes, that's to show that you've got to be at the bottom of the pecking order. You've got to be at the, like, clean the van. You are, this is what happens sort of thing. Someone's got to clean the van. And what's the electrician going to do it for? Because he's obviously doing the install and stuff like that. Maybe sorting out a job that you're naffed up because you're learning. But yeah, watch that film, Karate Kid. There's a reason why he does all these little chores. He doesn't see it at first, thinking that it's going to be a good idea to be able to wax on, wax off. But then he finds out that, yeah, it's actually a moving karate. I've never used wax on, wax off in a fight, but I'm assuming it might work. And I never planned to be an electrician when I was younger. I always wanted to be a mechanic. I loved faffling around with bikes as a kid. And then when I got a car, I loved faffling around with cars. So I started my apprenticeship a little bit late. It was sort of 19, 18, 19, I think, something like that. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to be a mechanic, and I got an apprenticeship as a mechanic. But uh, it didn't really work out. I saw the lads that were working. They were 40 years old. They were still getting covered in crap underneath a bleeding lorry. And I thought, yeah, it's not really for me. It's not really what I would want to be doing at 40 years old. I would assume, yes, that maybe if I thought about it back then, say, right, I can go into maybe fix Formula One cars and make a better career of what maybe other mechanics have done. I could have done that. But at the time... As every youngster, I want to earn money. So I jacked that in and obviously went and did something else. And what I entered the electrical industry as was an electrician's mate. It wasn't even planned to get an apprenticeship. I didn't go out there and say, right, I want an apprenticeship, want to start somewhere from the bottom. I just wanted to earn money at the summer holidays from college. So I thought, right, someone offered me a job as an electrician's mate, which electrician's mate is basically to sit there. I think this is what I was told. You just got to sit in the, the van with them and maybe do a bit of driving because you've got a license to carry the tools. So I thought, yep, I can do that. That's a nice, easy job. So that's what I started out doing for this company. I wasn't even that interested in being an electrician sort of thing. I didn't really look into what electricians do, to be honest. It was just a job at the time. And as an apprentice, I was put with a a mixture of guys sort of thing because sometimes there's two-man jobs, sometimes there's five-man jobs. Sometimes you're on site for a few weeks. So basically the apprentice is sent there to 
do the do the dog's work sort of thing to carry, lift and shift and tidy up. So I was sent around with a lot of different lads. And the interesting thing was back in the day when I was sent to site a lot of the time because the company that I worked for called Grenzels was... Um, mainly DC power engineers. They did a lot of telecoms. So we did a lot of DC power and maybe run a few commando sockets every now and again, which were AC. But the majority of it was DC power, where you just run a 54-volt feed to this bit of kit or racking or something that you put in in a switch room. And it was was quite easy. But a lot of the lads, they weren't even sparkers. They were labourers. And they just learnt the skill over time. And obviously the company that trusted them to do it, so they were in charge of the job. So, in effect, I didn't really see the benefit of being an electrician from the beginning because a lot of these lads were on good money. They were paid as basically, I don't know, DC power engineers, they called themselves. So there were DC power engineers, not electricians, there were DC power engineers. I don't, I don't know, but with, I don't even think to this day there's a qualification for a DC power engineer. I think the qualification is to be an electrician because then you respect how electric works. And obviously DC power, direct current, alternating current, it's, it's similar Sort of thing, but you, you need to start off with knowing what AC current does, I think, to be able to work with DC current. But these guys, you know, some of them labourers, and I tell you now, one of the guys, he was a bleeding plumber. And yeah, I understand, like, some of the things we were doing was 35 mil or 25 mil sometimes DC power supplies. It was relatively easy to learn. But you didn't really get the fundamentals of it. Like, you were just taught how to do that 54-volt DC. You were in a 25 mil to this bit of kit. You put a lug on the end, heat shrink it up, label it up, and you didn't talk things up. You didn't You didn't really know why they had to be talked up, why they had to be tight. You didn't get to talk about arcing. You didn't get to talk about reverse polarity, anything like that. So it was just monkey see, monkey do, in effect. And with some of the guys that I worked with, that's obviously exactly what they taught me. I got taught monkey see, monkey do. So this is what I do. So this is what you do. And I'll ask the question. So, okay, why are we doing it at 25 mil? Why are we doing it at 35? Why are we doing it in this cable? Why are we doing it in that cable? Why has it got to be tri-rated? What is tri-rated? Yeah, they didn't have a clue. They just said, well, it's what they give us. It's what they give us to do it with. Didn't understand the reason why. So if it was doing it wrong, say that you went and put in a 500 amp DC fuse, they wouldn't necessarily know that that cable would melt long before the fuse would go. So, yeah, this is the benefit of being an electrician, of knowing some knowledge, because at least you can walk away happy. I think a lot of times people just walked away. They didn't know whether they're happy or sad or whether they'd done a good job or not. they just done the job. And I think there's a lot of guys out there that maybe do that. But after a little while of working for this company, they rang me up and said, Ben, do you want to do an apprenticeship? And I was working away most me- well, most weeks, and lodging away and getting paid, I think it's £20 digs a night or something like that, where you get your food and a few beers. I was young, and pff, it suited me best. Like, it was getting out of town. You were getting all round the country sort of thing, doing all these different jobs. So I jumped on the chance, really. I said, yeah, I'll do that. And if I remember right, what I used to do was three weeks block release. I think it was maybe three times a year. And ah, you had to go to college. You had to do college. But damn, it was boring. Like, I used to sit there uh, in the classroom with a few lads that I knew. I remember because one of them used to smoke a lot of weed. They used to stink. But he used to sit, we used to sit there, and I swear sometimes I could have fell asleep because you don't respect what the tutor's telling you because it's a lot of jargon, Ohm's Law. It's a lot of things that maybe the electricians that didn't really talk about at, at work. So... I was getting taught stuff at college that I didn't think it was relevant, to be honest. I don't know what they were all about. 
and like reading all these books and the BS seven six seven one it's sixty pound book. Oh, damn, could I get it from a car boot? Can I get it cheaper? I thought I spent sixty pounds on a book. That's the most I've ever spent on a book in my whole life. But you need it because they change so much. I think when I started out, it was a yellow one. Now it's a bleeding brown one. It's an like 60, 70 pound at the time. And yeah, the, the, I don't know if I remember rightly, my company didn't pay for them books. But in college, I bet, I bet nine out of 10 of us agree that we wish we'd listened a bit more. Just stuck your head down and listened a little bit more. It would have helped you with the exams. You wouldn't have to sit there all night and revise for your exams thinking, damn, I've got this exam tomorrow. I ain't got a clue what it's on about. So, yeah, you have to listen a little bit more at college. Take it in. Ask the bleeding questions. Stick your hand up and say, why is this? If you don't understand something, the best thing to do is ask the tutor because he knows all the answers. He's in front of you. There's no point in going home and thinking, right, I need to Google um, parallel wiring or white series and parallel what's the difference yeah you could probably google it and find out but you could just simply ask the tutor straight away and write it out on the board i think it was a whiteboard we were quite modern days when it was back in the day but they'd write it out straight there in front of you there's someone that can tell you right away in layman's terms in effect that will help you out to say what the answer is to that question i wasn't one of these people i was one of these people that'd sit there in my own little world write a few notes down every now and again, go home and try to make sense of the notes. I didn't ask questions. I wish I did. But I did get my qualifications passed in the end. This is the main thing I did study. It was a, it was quite hard, I think, sometimes. You had to look into it because some of the questions are sent to trick you, I think. They ask you a stupid question. And the answer's right in front of you, really, if you just look at it a bit more, oh, in simple terms, in effect. It's the same what happened with the 18th edition. Sometimes they, they, they confuse you a little bit with the questions. When if you take, strip it back and say, right, you just ask me what goes in a marina, there we go. Logic-wise, you've probably done it 10 times anyway to just put that answer down. You don't have to put the bleeding, put it in certain terms. You, or maybe, on the, I think, like on the 18th edition, there was a ABC multi-choice question. So you just match the read them all out in your own head and see the one that matches. And that makes it easier to me. I'm not... Very academic in the writing words. You probably noticed. Writing or reading, sorry, as well. Yeah, like I say, you probably noticed. But I do think that being being an apprentice in any trade sort of thing, it is hard. And possibly harder than actually doing the job once you're qualified, maybe as an electrician. I found it quite difficult, I suppose, back in the day in the college. You had to do all the paperwork and the crazy portfolios you had to say right now you've got to go back to your company and find a job to suit this unit what you've got to fill in so i've got to go and find a bleeding ring main or i've got to go and find a lighting circuit and it was, it was difficult for me because all we did was bleeding dc so i had to sort of adapt it a little bit and talk to the electricians to see what i actually needed to do but the thing is, as you're a young lad and you're working away, you get on. I'd, I'd explain to electricians, say, right, I need this for my unit to um, fill in for to pass this actual part of the coursework. And he'd say, well, if you just write it out and Google it and stuff like that. Well, I don't even think we Googled it back in the day because I think we had dial-up. I was, I'm a bit old, you know. So we had um, didn't have computers. I didn't think I don't think I had a laptop back in the day that much. But, um, yeah, he said, just write it out, what it should sound like, and uh, I'll just sign it. So they weren't really interested in teaching you much. You just had to write out the theory side and they'd come along gear scribble. Which now, in hindsight, I realise that's pretty useless. But at the time, when I was young and I thought it was a great idea, I didn't even have to do the work. 
I just didn't. I didn't even have to prove I could do the work. I just had to write down in theory, more likely, what the actual job entailed, and what cable I'd use, or what few sizes I'd use, or how I'd route it, what trunking route I'd go. Like it was just sort of a bit cheating, I think, in a way. And looking back, most of my portfolio, it was. It was filled in in the pub because we'd be working away and I'd get all my paperwork out and sit down in the pub and everyone would just rush me to put that away, Ben. Have a beer, have a, a like, play a game of pool or play a game of darts. Like, put all that away. I wanted to get it done and out my head. It was a portfolio. I was told I've got to get it done ready for college. I'd do a three-week block release where I'd gather all the, the units, what you had to do, then go back to work and basically fill them in. So I had all this work to do, so it was a bit rushed, I think, my apprenticeship. And with heating wiring or something, anything that was mainly domestic, heating wiring, control wiring, star delta, motor wiring, that was all theory. I'd never touched it. I'd never done it actually on site, basically. I might have touched it at college and had a little look, but obviously they've got a bloke behind you telling you exactly where to put things. So I'd never really done star delta motor or three-phase motoring on site at work because we didn't do that all we did was dc and this went against me because as soon as i was qualified the company that i worked for they went into liquidation and it wasn't like they would go ben you can go here get a job we can give you a reference it was liquidation it was like see you later you're gone it was all i got was a phone call drop your van and your tools off back in the yard that was what i was doing my aim too but i'll tell you more about that later but like everything on site and maybe every company, every time there's a group of lads, there's a bit of a pecking order, I'd say. And when you're on site, the apprentice is at the bottom. And to be honest with you, they're below the bleeding plumbers. And the times that I was sent to maybe go to the van, go to get a sky hook or something stupid that didn't even exist, they'd all sit there laughing. I didn't understand because I assumed that a sky hook, I don't know, was it some out terminator? It was something that maybe people use. I didn't get the joke. So I just had to sort of laugh along with them, really, because I didn't really understand what the hell they were on about or what they were laughing at. And every site you went to, it happened all the time. Like, everyone would do it. If you were the apprentice, I was tall. I was tall, lanky lad. So I think, right, people thought the best way to get the better of me was to take the mick. And they did. Say, go get a skyhook. Go get some sparks for that grinder if you're cutting the grinder. You need to get some sparks for it. Okay, where do I get them from? Oh, they're in the van. And... I would. I'd be an idiot. I'd go to the van. I'd, I'd obviously know now. But when you're young, you haven't got a clue. You say, well, where are the sparks? And the, oh, the, bl- the blue ones. What the blue ones? It, well, where are they? They don't exist. Let's, let's be honest. It's a bleed nightmare. It is funny now. And maybe I've been on site where we've done it to some apprentices as well. But you've got to be able to take that banter. It's how it works. You've got to be able to soak it up a little bit. And yeah, they're taking the mix. It's how it works. And as I was 19 and I thought I was a a lad sort of thing, thought I could stick up for myself and maybe had a couple of fights in town, I thought I could sort of handle myself. But these guys, yeah, they were a bit, they were normal, they were rough. They they were like me in effect. They walked around with tools and hammers in their hand. So don't think it would have been a good idea if me, if I was to kick off with them. Because one, I'd get a hammer around the back of my head and then two, I'd probably lose my job because they're not going to sack the bleeding electrician because they need the work doing. They're going to sack the apprentice. So my idea of being a good apprentice was to get on with the job. And basically, if they ask you to do something, just go and do it. And to be honest with you, I didn't mind cleaning the van sometimes because it helped me out because when I was sent to the van to go and find like a certain crimp or certain lugs, I knew where they were because it was a week before when I cleaned it all out. I had the time. 
And the bonus thing is when you're working with somebody and maybe you travel away for the week, they might say, oh, drop me off. You take the van for the weekend because you live on the way to the job. So you can pick me up in the morning. So I'll have the van for the weekends. And I can say this now because that company's gone under. But we used to use a fuel card, fill it up and go party somewhere. Go Skegness, go Blackpool, go Newcastle sometimes, go for a night out. And because we were tight ass kids, we used to sleep in the back of the van as well. And this weren't with the other apprentices or the other electricians. This is just me with all my mates. That was uh, a bit cheeky. I don't think you can get away with that now. You've got trackers and stuff like that on the van. You wouldn't be allowed to do that. But back in the day, we did it all the time. It was the norm. But doing what I was told, I think, on site was sort of, I, I didn't mind that because I didn't know what the hell I was doing a lot of the time. So when someone told me to do something, yes, I'd do it. The time to go get sparks for the grinder. What do you want? Blue ones? Yep, no worries. I'll go and get it. I learned that over time that they were taking the mick. But if one of the electricians would say, right, go and do that. Sometimes I think, ah, I'm going to mess it up. Like, um, would I would I mess it up? Well, he wouldn't have asked me if it didn't matter because I know sometimes we used to pull, I don't know, it's sort of, 30 or 40 2.5 in, and if you make one off wrong it's not going to form him nicely to the to the board to the db and i was always scared of doing that thinking what we're going to do we have to unclip all these bloody cables are about flipping 30 meters long unclipping to retie them just to get them formed in properly but then you learn that maybe you make one end off first and then form them in nice on the tray because you've got to make your tray up as you go along. There's so many different things like what we did. Uh, it was mainly industrial sometimes when I did a bit of work with cable tray. And it was basically getting the, ta- the cables neat. And then like basically with the 54 volt cables, you, well, it used to be black and blue. And then it switched with the harmonised colours. So it changed to grey and blue. But yeah, it was getting them nice. Nice and neat in the road. Nice packed on that tray where they look spot on. Because they're going to be there for years. Come on, let's be honest. But if there was sort of one 10 mil armour to make off, I was like, damn, show me one and let me give a go at the rest. And it didn't happen all the time, but the sparker would come along and he'd give it a tug, throw it on the floor, they'd do it again. That's disheartening. When you've done it, you think you've done it up tight because I know this is where I've got FT. If anyone know, that listened or watching this knows what FT stands for, that is, that is what I got told all the time. Ben, do it up FT. Because I was scared about rounding things off all the time, so I didn't tighten them up FT. So you've got to tighten a nut up FT all the time. There must be a... You don't think you can get a torque setting for a, a gland on an armoured cable. you just got to make sure that that's got it right. So the electrician come along, give it a tug, and it's not going to come out, basically. And the more jobs that I gave a go, like armoured cable and forming them in nice and neat, that was sort of my thing. Like, so I was a bit of a, f- a perfectionist as a young lad as well. I'd like to form them in nice and neat, nice and swoop round the, on the on the tray. And then also, I'd have to put the tray down there. Let me say, right, give it, give a go to the tray, Ben. You've got to do a 90. Can't you just buy a 90 from the shop? A lot of what a lot of people do. But no, you've got to make your own 90. So, okay, I have to make a 90. Even in the like, four-inch trunking, metal trunking, make your own 90. Oh, flipping hell. Like, normally, you want to just buy a 90 cut it off put it together but no we had to make our own 90s I couldn't be bothered to go to like the wholesalers I suppose but yeah we had to make our own 90s but the the better I got the more I did it and the more experience I got which I look back now and I realise that yeah I was getting better and better and knew a little bit more every time that more likely helped me at college the same as what I was saying about this karate kid film 
And then the better I got at doing jobs, I was sort of the man, yeah, Ben can come with us, he's handy. I got a lot more respect. I wasn't just that, I wasn't called the broken arm anymore because I didn't know anything at the time. So yeah, don't want to take a broken arm with me. I didn't know anything at the time. I have to suffer up. I didn't even know what they meant when they said broken arm, to be honest. I thought someone actually hurt himself, but it was like having a broken arm with me with them because I was useless. I didn't know nothing. But after I gained a little bit of experience, I knew how to do trunking, I knew how to do tray. Then I was a bit more... Yeah, yeah, I'll work with Ben, and he can drive, so yeah, it's a bonus. And then the electrician, he would also talk me through why we've done it, what we've done, and why you had to have, like, on trunking, you used to cut the trunking, why did you have to file it for? It's folding it over, it don't matter. File them corners down, because if a cable crashes, you've got to pull a new one in, and it wrecks the bleeding whole run of the cable. So yeah, you got, got he, he taught me, they taught me why you had to do certain things, which I think was a bonus as well, because then... I'd talk to him on the way home and start filling out my portfolio. And I'd know these little things. I'd know the answers to him. You have to ask him a thousand questions all the time. And then you sort of get to know how you who you're working with, how things work. Because at the end of the job, always after you've done it, maybe a two-day, three-day, a week, three-week job, there's a clerk of works that comes along. He wants to sign his little bit of paper. So the electrician will go around with him, explain what we've done and show him how everything works and where you need to turn things on and stuff like that to commission it. It will be fine. So he, the electrician would do that. It was pretty boring, so I didn't do it all the time. I'd walk around with the clerk of works. It's pretty boring. So I used to be the one who'd pack the kit away, tidy site, and then get the van ready. Get it, get it ready to go. Put all the ladders back on and put it all nice and neat and tidy. So then, when the clerk, when the electrician had finished with the clerk works, he didn't have to worry about it. So it was a little bit. I know it sounds like a bit of a geeky thing to do now, but it worked in my favour because then we had a little bit more time to maybe stop off for a coffee and then talk about my portfolio again. I needed to get this thing filled in. I needed to get qualified because when I was on apprentice wage, I always wanted to be on more money. You're a young kid. You always want more money. And maybe I was a geek trying to get all these things done, trying to impress the electricians, but that's what you've got to do as an apprenticeship, as an apprentice. Have an alternative motive because it works in your favour. This is the thing. Like If you can get, help make their job a little bit easier, they'll maybe have time to help you fill out your portfolio because, I don't know, the more you know, the more you're qualified, the better you are for that, for that electrician to do more work and do more jobs. Because I think testing, I hate testing, it's boring. But... If you can test or you know a little bit about testing, you can do your R1R2s, you can do your, your loop readings and stuff like that, then it's going to be a lot more of an advantage you to be able to get them readings for the electrician once they're filling out the paperwork. And you can get to a stature where you can sort of stand up for yourself a little bit more as well. Because there was this job I did with two other lads in Amsterdam. One was an electrician, one was a bleeding plumber. But we did this job in Amsterdam. And with the DC power, there was always a shed load of scrap. We were taking down these alley and copper buzz bars to replace him with like the cable under the floor. Obviously, it was maybe a lot safer, I don't know, but we were doing it for some reason. But the 150 mil cable, solid core, not solid core, it was tri-rated, cable was under the floor. We had scraps from that. And the bars, we had scraps. So the leftover bits of cables, yes, I was told to go and strip. And then we put it in a pile, put it in the van, right, nip down to the scrapping, we'll catch it in. Well, this occasion in Amsterdam, we got three grand or 3,000 euros. It was flipping brilliant. But the electrician, he turned around and goes, right, Ben, we're going to split it three ways, but you only get 20% because you're an apprentice. 
yeah, it didn't sit right with me. Not a chance. I'd done most of the work stripping that. And if anything, I knew it a little bit by then, so I just worked just as hard as them guys. Come on, it was DC. One was a bleeding plumber. I thought, no, it ain't happening. So I did have to put my Billy Big Pants on and say, right, you either give me a third, like basically, or no, give me a decent share like between three of us, or I tell the company and it all goes back. It was a risk because they could have just kicked my head in. Like, it was a risk for me, but it was a thousand pound at stake. And I was, when I was younger, I was 19, 20, that's a lot of money. We had a little bit of a to do and a falling out, maybe. Them two went off to the pub. I went shopping around Amsterdam with a thousand pound. Oh, I remember, I remember them wicked Adidas trainers I bought and just all this stupid stuff. It's free money to me. I spent a fortune around Amsterdam buy myself new kit. It worked out. This is the thing what I recommend to any apprentice. When there's money involved, make sure you get your fair share. Sometimes, like, an electrician might say to you, look, can you come and work with me at the weekend? I'll teach you how to do things in a domestic premises for free. Like, you've got to work for free, though. I'm not really a, someone that works for free. Even if they say, give you £20 a day, it's 20 quid. It's a little bit of money. Don't do things for free. Maybe you might need to sometimes. Yeah, you've got to judge it sort of thing. If you're an apprenticeship and you want to get a bit more experience and you're struggling to get experience from people, yeah, maybe go out and help someone out for free. But, yeah, don't let people take the mick. Don't do things for free because if you're helping them maybe with cable running, with clipping or chasing, because a lot of the time if you're doing domestic and you get an apprentice, that apprentice is for doing the chases because the electrician can't be asked. It's boring. But So just get paid. Make sure you say, look, I'll come with you, but I want at least 50 quid for the day. So I thought 20 quid back in the day was a lot of money, but now a drink is around 50 quid. Someone gives you a bung, it's got to be at least 50 quid. What's the point? 20 quid's a pack lunch. College, though, it was the boring part of being an electrician. We must know this, but it's something we've got to go through. You've got to get that qualification under your belt. You've got to get a bit of paperwork, even more so these days. There's a lot of lads that I work with with no qualifications, but they wanted to get qualifications. They wanted to get that bit of paper because as soon as that company went under, like I say, went into liquidation, I didn't see them lads again. I didn't ever see them knocking around on sites and stuff like that because obviously I went subbing. So I didn't see them knocking around on sites. But you've got to have that qualification. No one will pay you electrician's rate without having a qualification because with the qualifications as well, there's so many opportunities you can go down. I know a few lads that have moved over to Australia and they work as an electrician over there. Because I think the UK qualifications as electrician, now they are recognised. They're, they're quite a high standard, I think, across the world. But, um, yeah, they're recognised over in Australia. And the jammy gits have gone over there and they're working as a spark. I think it's rare to find an electrician that is out of work. And this is why it's a pretty good trade to be in. But as I was saying earlier, as soon as I'd done my AM2 in Nottingham, I, w- I wasn't even finished it. The AM2 I was doing, I think it was four days long. And on the Wednesday, the company phoned me up and said, Ben, we've gone into liquidation. So I was like, great. What what am I going to do now? I was screwed. I had no job anymore. And I wasn't even sure if I actually become qualified as an electrician. So what did I do? had to become a subcontractor. But luckily, yes, I did become qualified. So I had a little bit of paper. I could go subcontracting as a electrician and not electrician's mate but that is a whole new story which i'll tell you about another day but don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and maybe leave a comment down below of the experience that you went through as an apprentice so until next time 
Sehr geil. 